Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Packers leading the Bears 3-0 early in the second quarter. Spoiler alert for tennis. So if you're like the one listener taping the tennis, put the volume down for 10 seconds. Bianca Andreescu is underway against Belinda Bencic in the U.S. Open semifinal early. It is 1-1 in the first set. The other semifinal today won by Serena Williams. The Edmonton Oilers' newest player is Riley Shane. One-year deal worth $900,000, and he's hoping he can come in and be a good penalty killer. I think just the, the mindset, the chemistry you have between uh, between partners there and um I mean, once you can click and you can build momentum, it's just like any part of the game. You, you go out there and you take pride in it and um, you build momentum for the team. And um, I think it's a challenge, obviously. It's, a, it's not the most fun part of the game, but when you can go out there and block some shots and kill some penalties in a crucial part of the game, you feel good about yourselves and, um, and the team can take that and roll with it. So, uh, yeah, we just got to kind of get started, get things figured out. And, so it's momentum. I think we'll be fine. All right. More on Riley Shane on 630Ched.com. You can text 630-630-780-496-0063 is the phone number. Big D says the Oilers' bottom six forwards were not productive last year. We really need 20 goals from the fourth line and 25 to 30 from the third. Cut back 20 goals against, and the Oilers will be in the playoffs. Just saying. That is from Big D. Oh, my goodness. We have John on line one. Go ahead, John. Rita, I want to tell you I've been very motivated and inspired by your end zone love story. With very nice background music. So I drafted a new set of team rules for the Esks on Saturday. I'll just run through them quickly. The new rules for the offense. The first offensive play will be a 20-yard pass. The second offensive play will be a 40-yard pass. And God willing, the third offensive play will be a 60-yard pass for a touchdown. And if you figure out the math, that's, we started on our three-yard line. That's 120 yards. Wow. <laughs> the next series, there will be no huddle for four or five or six or seven plays. Just get out there and run plays. Let Calgary figure it out. Inside the Calgary 40, there will be a new rule. All the pass plays go into the end zone, and sooner or later, the law of averages says, we'll get a P.I. call. There is a new rule for Trevor Harris. Trevor, no checkoffs. Everyone knows the play. Run the play, block it up, and let Calgary figure it out. On pass protection, the new rule. When we have a double tight end set, seven guys on the line of scrimmage, throw it. Don't run it. The new rules for the defense. Put eight or ten guys in the box and stop the run. The new rules for punt return. 
no one blocks that way we'll always get at least a 10 or 15 yard return and a new rule for our place kicker and our team there will be no field goal attempts so everybody suck it up there is one exception to that last rule read and that is if we have the ball on the 20 yard line and it's the last play of the game and a field goal will win it then we're allowed to kick it then you're allowed to do it okay i, I, I want to see urgency aggressiveness and pizzazz right <laughs> And if the first offensive play is a five-yard pass to the flat, I will be leaving Conwell Stadium in a very bad frame of mind. John, I appreciate your call, and I like how you said there were no checkoffs. We also had a reference to checkoff from Star Trek earlier, so I'm not sure what you were talking about, Star Wars or football, but it works either way tonight. Have you got time for two golf jokes? Or, or Star Trek, sorry, not Star Wars. Yes, go ahead. Uh, so this is the golfer caddy story. So there's a very religious golfer, and he looks at the caddy and says, do you think it's a sin to golf on Sunday? And the caddy says, yeah, man, the way you golf, it's a sin every day. The golfer says, so has my golf game improved at all? And the caddy says, oh, yeah, man, you're missing the ball much closer now. I know you think I lost my sense of humor on that last one, but I, I try real hard. That's pretty good, John. Always good to hear from you. Okay, thanks, Reed. That is John, 780-496-0063. He's, he's graced us with a lot of golf jokes this summer. It's been pretty good. Uh, phone number is 780-496-0063. Richard is texting 63630. He says, I think the Oilers' goalies will play an even split. Smith maybe can't handle a full starter's workload anymore, but is definitely the more skilled goalie. So that will kind of dictate how many games for each guy. We'll see what Koskinen is made of this year. That's for sure. That is from uh, Richard and Jason from San Gudo. Always love hearing from him. We had the trivia question in the last half hour. It was Paula that won that. The name of the rooster on the friendly giant, it was Rusty. Jason says, nowadays, if you kept your rooster in a sack hanging on the wall and took advice from him, you'd be locked up. Back then, it was cool. LOL, adds Jason from San Gudo. Was it cool to have your rooster hanging in a sack? Does that, that doesn't even sound... I can't believe I said that out loud. We're, I'm, I'm, we're just going to move on from that. There's no graceful way to move on from that, Kellen, but we'll try. 7-Eleven, make a wish. All right. Uh, Riley Shea and the new Edmonton Oiler also talks about uh, trying to specialize in defensive play. I think mean, that's part of the game I, I take pride in. So um, I think for me coming to Edmonton, I like the idea of giving Connor and Tricite a little bit of relief and, and Nugent Hopkins there and in the D zone. And um, they can uh, focus more on the offensive side of things and the, the part that they're so amazing at. So if I can help out in that aspect and kill some penalties and then contribute a little bit to secondary scoring, um, I think that's a, a role I feel very confident in. Secondary scoring, a big question mark for the Oilers going into the season. They didn't have it last year. They had really good seasons from their big three. Chason and uh, Cassian stepped up with good seasons. Though it was funny, Chason scored in the first half of the year and didn't score much in the second half. It was reverse from uh, it was the reverse for Cassian. So they'll need some players to be a little bit steadier. There might be gaps in uh, in between goals, but they, they they can't have some of the long droughts that they had. So you're looking at guys like Shane Negard, some of the new additions, Granlund. Could they fill in some of those roles? Well, what about someone internally? What about someone internally? What about someone the Oilers actually drafted? 
moving his way up and becoming a decent support scorer. Could that be Tyler Benson this season? I think of all the players attending Oilers' rookie camp, he would be the favorite to actually earn his way onto the opening day roster. He led the Bakersfield Condors in scoring last season. He talked to Bob Stoffer. Tyler, you're in a unique spot here because you're this close. So we're getting started with rookie camp. That said, last year maybe it was different because you know we hadn't seen you get a full off-season training. Now you had a terrific year in the American Hockey League. Where's your headspace at as you head into uh, getting started here with first rookie camp, then leading into main camp? Yeah, I feel confident right now. Uh, it was a good year last year. I'm pretty happy with how it went. Um, but uh, with that being said, uh, I just want to keep getting better and better. I'm not satisfied with how last year went. I wanted to have a big summer here and uh, just keep getting better going into this camp. You look physically sculpted, you know, a little bit different body composition and all that. Uh, is there any way you can perhaps explain uh, to people how far you've come and then regards the last couple of years and how much you feel better about maybe where you are condition-wise than mm-hmm. given the challenges that you had in junior just trying to stay healthy? Yeah, no, I, I feel a lot better um, just being able to work out all summer long. These past two years have been huge for me. Um, when I wasn't able to work out and then going straight into the season, I just didn't feel right going onto the ice. But uh, it's it's very important just to have a full summer training and just uh, having that confidence going into camp, knowing your body's going to hold up. So I feel good, and uh, it's probably the best I've ever felt. I feel really good. Um, the comment that I hear from the people within the organization is carries himself like a pro and everything that are, you know, dresses like a pro, talks like a pro. He had a massive first year for the team last year. Like, it went really well for you down in the American Hockey League. Uh, well, you know, is there, what was it like to be a part of a group and go on a, you know, a long winning streak and, and maybe change a bit of the culture and the identity of what had happened in Bakersfield before? I think it just started with the dressing room we had. We had a really good group. Everyone, uh, we all enjoyed being around. We all enjoyed showing up to the rink and being around each other. Um, and then that translated onto the ice. Uh, we played for each other. We played hard. And uh, we had good leadership up top. And it just uh, translated all the way through the whole group. All right. So how do you see it here? Like you, you come in and are you closely monitoring and following sort of what happens on a day-by-day uh, basis with the hockey club and as to where you might be able to fit in the lineup? Yeah, for sure. I guess you, you always, I mean, the main goal coming into camp is to be with the Oilers this year. So I, uh, I feel like uh, I got to come in and try and earn a spot and uh, I kind of know where I want to be. So I want to show myself well here and just keep getting better as camp goes on. Tyler Benson going to try to grab it this year for the Oilers uh, again with Baco last season. 15 goals, 51 assists, 66 points in 68 games. Feeling healthy. He battled through injuries late in his uh, junior career. Never really got it rolling with his junior team. By the way, who was Tyler Benson's junior team? 780-496-0063. Who did he play for in the WHL? Let Kellen know. If you are right, you get four tickets to the Eskimos game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline on Saturday. We'll talk a little bit more about Oilers goaltending when we get back, but this time, not who's going to be in the net this year, a guy who's looking to be there down the road. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. 
Packers leading the Bears 7-3, five minutes into the second quarter, NFL opener. Spoiler alert if you're taping tennis. I'll give you a couple seconds to momentarily turn your radio down. Andrescu, Bencic tied 2-2 in the first set of the U.S. Open semifinal. Serena Williams won the other semifinal earlier today. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It's 21 after 7. Shannon wins the four-pack of Eskimos tickets. She knew that Tyler Benson played for the Vancouver Giants in the Western Hockey League. Oilers goaltending prospect Dylan Wells played for Peterborough in the Ontario Hockey League. Drafted in the fifth round by the Oilers in 2016. He scored a goal in his junior career. He owned a set of drums before he got into hockey. And he's feeling pretty comfortable at yet another rookie camp. Uh, a little bit in a sense. I think once you've come here a few times, you get a little more used to it and a little more comfortable. But uh, for me, I'm just trying to take it all in, use it to prepare for the season. I think this is my fourth one now, so I kind of know what to expect a little bit in terms of like the fitness testing today and everything and, and the skates. So you know, I'm looking forward to getting things going. It's an exciting time of the year. Now, what about the, the fitness testing? Is this the, the VO2 max drill that scares everybody still, or what's what's the highlight or perhaps the low light? Yeah, we got a, uh, a wind bike test this year, so that's a little bit intimidating until you finish it. There's just a little bit of anxiety leading up to it, and then once it's out of the way, you're you feel good about it so I mean I've been training all summer I'm ready to do it it's just getting it out of the way and then getting it out of your head so yeah, it's, it'll be a fun day I mean I don't know if it's the highlight but <laughs> but it's memorable that's how yeah, that's how we'll put it you know goaltending most important position on the ice there's only one guy on the ice at a time and there's uh, some other young goalies uh, in the Oilers system whether you look, want to look at Skinner or Rodrigue they drafted kind of all off this summer um, how do you enjoy sort of the competition with with teammates or other guys within the organization it's awesome i mean a little bit of competition is always good it pushes everybody to be at their best and to be to play their best so i mean being around shane and stewart we're all really close friends which makes uh, it that much more enjoyable obviously i mean we're, we're going through it together and obviously it is a competition but we all want to see each other succeed and uh, i think at the end of the day you kind of worry about yourself and you worry about stopping pucks and then the rest kind of falls into place so to have those guys around for support and for a little extra motivation and to push each other as competition it, it's fun and we have a good group of guys so no other two guys that would rather do it with <laughs> You were playing in the OHL where, you know, obviously you're the guy. You're the goalie. Then you come into the organization as a pro and you spend part of the season with Wichita, part with Bakersfield, obviously. It must have been a totally different experience mentally from being the top of the pecking order to, okay, could I go up, could I go down, when am I playing next, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's definitely a different experience. I mean, like you said, in junior, you know you're the guy, you know you're going to be playing every night. So coming into pro, I think it, the biggest thing is just having an open mind, you know, like really just taking things day by day, enjoying every day, pushing yourself. And the biggest thing for me was just kind of learning to use a growth mindset every day you know, and just learning to grow and push myself, whether I was in the net or not, just making sure I'm getting 1% better every day. That was kind of the motto I lived by, was just get a little better every day because after time, a little bit adds up to a lot. So um, I went in with, with an open mind, didn't know what to expect, and, and just wanted to give my best when I played. And I'm happy with how it turned out. Got into a bunch of games in Wichita, got into a few games in Bakersfield too, and then just being around the guys that we were surrounded by was awesome. Uh, great team in Bakersfield, great group of guys in Wichita. So it was a fun year, fun learning experience, and I'm just using it to keep building now and, and, and be at my best moving forward. 
What was it like playing in in Wichita? I don't know if you you know this, but I'm old enough to remember when the Oilers' top farm team was the Wichita Wind. That was oh, back yeah. in the early 1980s. So, so you'll remember that. But but there has been hockey there for a while. Having said that, it's a you know it's a smaller city in Kansas. What was it like being a hockey player there? It was cool. It was different. I mean, growing up in Ontario, I guess I didn't really think about Kansas too much. I had never <laughs> been there or anything like that. I mean, I had heard of the Kansas Jayhawks basketball team a little bit, and um, but going there was honestly it was really cool. It was fun. The city's nice. Uh, the fans were awesome. We had a beautiful rink there, uh, and obviously you're playing pro hockey, so you can't really complain with that. And uh, the guys there made it great too, just spending time with them and. Um, there was our ups and downs there, but as a city, it was, it was a cool experience. I mean, getting to travel all around to play hockey is a pretty, we're pretty lucky to do what we do, so I enjoyed it. Growing up, who were some goalies you cheered for, looked up to, admired? Uh, Marty Roder was the big one. He was like, that's what got me into hockey as a kid. Uh, seeing him in the Salt Lake City Olympics just on TV, that's kind of why I started playing. I mean, don't really come from a huge hockey family, so he was really what inspired me to play. And I remember all through like elementary school, my room was painted New Jersey Devils red with pictures of Broder all around the wall. Uh, as I got a little older, uh, Carey Price kind of took over that position, Braden Holpe, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, those are all guys I look up to, like to emulate kind of how they play. Uh, they do so many things to an elite level that it's really cool to watch. So I'm still a bit of a hockey nerd. I love to watch NHL games and, and just study what the guys are doing. So You already have a good piece of trivia in your career because in the OHL you scored a goal, right? And you actually, you were not credited with a goal, right? Like you scored a goal. Scored a goal, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty cool experience. That's that's one thing I honestly never really even thought would happen. You don't really look into it as a goalie. Like, oh, I want to go out and score a goal. So, uh the time just happened to be right and we had a timeout right before I did it so I kind of looked at my goalie coach on the bench and he gave me a, a signal to go for it if I got the chance so I mean I just knew if anybody was dumping the puck and I was going to go for it and we kind of joke around after practice just firing pucks down the ice so I'd like to say my shot's pretty decent and I mean I was lucky that it went in but it's funny it kind of just blacked out for a moment there and when I saw it going did I really just do this but it's cool. All right, and uh, another cool thing, so your dad, Robert, is uh, the drummer for Tim Hicks, country music singer. Now, this is interesting because Cooper Marodi put out a single. He's a country guy, so he's your teammate in Bakersfield. Are you musical as well? Yeah, I grew up playing the drums. That was what I was first introduced to. My dad's obviously been a drummer my whole life, so I think my first set of birthday, I got a, or my first drum, first birthday, I got a set of drums, not a set of goalie gear. And all through like elementary school, that's what I did. My dad was also a drum teacher on the side, so taught me how to play, taught me everything I know on the drums. And once in a while, here and there, we have a studio at home, so I'll go out and, and bang on the drums a little bit. It's it's nice to kind of get away from hockey and, and get your mind off things and just go play drums, do something different. So that was definitely a passion of mine growing up. And, and now I kind of share that with my dad. I go watch him play. Whenever they're close by, I'll go watch a concert and everything. And it, it's cool. I still like to play the drums. I was joking with Coop that we should make a single together. I'd hop on the drums, give me a feature. But I don't know if I'm up to his level right now. <laughs> well, Dylan, all the best. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. All right, that is Dylan Wells. Uh, interesting story there. Goaltending prospect for the Oilers scored a goal in the o- goal in the OHL. His uh, dad is the drummer for Canadian country music singer Tim Hicks. Uh, pretty cool. Had drums before he ever got into hockey as a kid. All right, rookie camp continues tomorrow. We'll have more on Inside Sports tomorrow, and of course more on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer from noon to two. We're back after the seven thirty news. 
Hi, this is Greg Ellingson of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Shed. Now here's a good back-to-school song. Late in the first half, Packers lead the Bears 7-3. Spoiler alert if you're uh, taping the tennis match. Andrescu and Bencic, 3-3 in the first set. Serena Williams won the other semifinal earlier. Riley Shane is the newest member of the Edmonton Oilers, 27-year-old center, one-year deal, $700,000. Eskimos back at practice today. They are getting ready for the Labor Day rematch on Saturday. All right, a little bit of a snippet of a great video put together last year by Kevin Karius and our friends at Global Television. The Global News All-In Eskimos Game Day experience centering around the Labor Day series, and Kevin Karius joins me from the Global Studios right now. Kevin, and you're doing it again. This is awesome. Yeah, thanks, Reed. You know, we had such a good response from last year uh, between the fans and the Eskimos and um, the higher-ups here. They said, well, let's try it again, and so hopefully we can uh, do a a bang-up job again, maybe improve it on it a little bit better from last year. Well, I I, I love the video, and I was re-watching it, and obviously getting that, that audio and just great uh, energy and so many different stories of people's different connections to the Eskimos uh, all ages and all that kind of stuff. Um, so like how many how many submissions did you, did you get last year and how did you ultimately gather it all? Well, uh, I would say we had between three and 500 last year. Nice. Now, some of them weren't arable, some were okay, some, you know, the video wasn't very good or the audio wasn't very good, but at least the fans took the time to send them to us. Uh, basically, you shoot the uh, a video of your game day experience coming up this Saturday uh, at uh, Commonwealth Stadium, the rematch of the Labor Day Classic. Uh, film it on your phone uh, make sure you hold it vertically, or sorry, horizontally, side by side. Okay. Uh, that's the key because the video comes in that way. So, and then send them to the uh, social media hashtag it uh, GN All In or hashtag One Empire. And basically, we'll go through all the videos uh, and uh, put them together. Hopefully, the story's there. And uh, we are totally fan dependent on, as you can imagine, Reed, on this. We need the fan participation, uh, families and friends and everyone like that because uh, without the videos, uh, we can't make a documentary. Well, and and this is a great thing, and I love how you're embracing now that everybody's walking around with cameras. You you couldn't have done this uh, 25 years ago, just the whole uh, viewer-generated content, which is pretty cool. And won't you have, I I know uh, you want stuff for this weekend, but won't you have some stuff from Labor Day as well? Yeah, we're going to have a little bit from Labor Day. Uh, We obviously want to focus on the rematch here at Commonwealth, but, I mean, the story this time around is a little bit different than last year because it was at the start of the year. This time around, I mean, the rivalry and the tradition between these two clubs is quite amazing. I'm, I, know, I know you uh, tweeted out a thing that, uh, thanks to Brian Dejarly, about the fact that today it's 70 years ago today that the Eskimos and Stampeders played their very first game. So that's 
crazy in my mind. So, uh, you know, 230 regular season games. So we'll, we're going to tap into that and kind of look at the, the tradition, the rivalry, and uh, this home-and-home home great series. Uh, you know, now we're, uh, whatever, 53 games in on the on the Labor Day, and then the rematch wasn't always Calgary. It was, you know, that's the funny thing. It was other teams in the in the CFL. It started out uh, with Calgary, but then it branched off to Saskatchewan. They had BC. They, they had, I think, Hamilton even one year, but I think for the last uh, three decades or so, probably since '89 or so, it's always been uh, been Calgary. Yeah, they've they've had the they've had the home and home. And somebody asked me today, when did is this? Somebody said, is this the first year it's been on a Saturday? I think it's the third or fourth year it's been well, on a Saturday. Yeah, th- uh, you know what? A little bit more. I think it's okay. probably five. But you know that Friday night that, that was a great atmosphere, and I mean they really had a bang up crowd because the kids did the back to school tickets thing, and uh, th- th- those were the biggest crowds of the year. So hopefully they can get a good one on Saturday. All right, uh, Kevin, we should touch on, I mean, how, how cool is this? And I know you'll have all the highlights. Tonight. How, how cool is this seeing a, a Canadian at this stage? You know, um, when you were saying about the, the, you know, spoiler alert and everything, most times if there's tennis on and there's an NFL game on in the sports department, uh, pretty well you're watching the NFL game. Uh, but I'll be honest, I've had probably a little more than one eye on the uh, tennis just truly uh, a great Canadian moment. Hopefully she can pull it off tonight and uh, then we could see a rematch of the Rogers Cup final. Yeah, I actually had someone uh, text in, uh, don't give the score. And I said, well, I got to give the score. But yeah. I'll tell you, spoiler, it, it is now, spoiler alert, it is now Andrescu trailing bench. It's 4-3 in the first set. So it's been pretty close. But they had a game that lasted almost 10 minutes. It was just deuce advantage, deuce advantage uh, back and forth. So it's been pretty good. I'll th- throw one more at you. Uh, I, I mean, look, the the biggest profile uh, move that Ken Holland made was that he, he actually traded Lucic and uh, and brought in James Neal. He had to take on a little more money. He he's round. He's trying to round out that bottom six. I think there are still some some question marks, but hopefully a guy like Shane, if he can actually kill penalties and win faceoffs. Uh, maybe a dimension the Oilers didn't have in abundance last year. Well, for sure, but th- that's a massive, massive win in my mind, just contract-wise for Neil. I know that the Oilers are still paying the seven hundred fifty thousand a year on the cap, but the main thing is for for two reasons. Basically, the Seattle expansion is a massive. You know, Lucic had to be protected. Mm-hmm. Neil doesn't have to be protected, and the whole no movement clause. Neil, if something were to happen, and I think James Neal is going to have a big year, but if something were to happen, you can still hide him. Lucic, you couldn't do that. So just for those two reasons, it's a massive win by Ken Holland. As for Sheehan, yeah, he's got to prove that he can still be, you know, maybe a third-line center. If he if he's not, he's a fourth-line center. Uh, they have a lot of battles, in my mind, coming up through camp and exhibition to see who can grab onto those spots. There's a lot of jobs open down there, and whoever really wants to seize the opportunity, it's right there waiting for them. Yeah, and I think Benson's got a shot. Bob, talk to him. I mean, you, and here's the thing I'll say about Benson, Kevin. I was making this point earlier. The Oilers have, in a lot of cases, rightfully been accused of of rushing guys, giving young players too much responsibility. But Benson's 21. That's not too young to start an NHL career if you're a second-round pick. He should be ready to hit it this year. The only thing that's holding him back is his development in previous years where he was hurt. I think if he didn't have those injuries and had proper training in the offseason, he'd be ready right now. It's still a question mark in my mind, though, if he is ready to take one of those spots. 
Kevin, always a pleasure. Great to have you on the show. All the best putting together the GN All-In video for the uh, Labor Day rematch, man. I look forward to seeing it. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on, Reed. And again, fans, just send all your videos of your game day experience to those hashtags, GN All-In and uh, hashtag One Empire, and we'll hopefully get enough to have a documentary that airs on September 28th following the Eskimos game at 2 o'clock that day, I believe, in Ottawa. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right, that is Kevin Carius checking in from Global Television. That, that is an awesome thing they uh, they put together. So and remember he said when you're doing it on your phone, hold it, hold your phone sideways to take the video and then tag it with GN All In or One Empire on the old social media. All right, it is 742. If you want to get more on Riley Shane, go to 630Ched.com. We got a pretty special treat coming up here. One of the greatest wheelchair basketball players of all time, Canadian Patrick Anderson. He was born in Edmonton and last... Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Week, he helped Canada qualify once again for the Paralympic Games. They're going to be held next year in Tokyo. Patrick is up next. This is Don Yunum of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30 Chair. All right, so the uh, play-in tournament, the qualifier for the Paralympic Games held in Peru. We had the uh, Canadian women's wheelchair basketball team win gold. St. Albert's Aaron Young is on that team. And uh, one of the all-time greats in the sport of wheelchair basketball was born right here in Edmonton. Canadian Patrick Anderson helped the men get silver and qualify for Tokyo next summer. I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports Patrick Anderson. Patrick, how are you doing? Hi, Reed. I'm good, thanks. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show, and congratulations of being a member of the Canadian men's wheelchair basketball team that is uh, qualified now for the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics. You wound up uh, getting the silver medal being uh, knocked off by the USA in the gold medal, gold medal game. Tell us a little bit about the tournament. I mean, hey, uh, you, you wanted the gold, but how did you feel Canada played overall? Um... I'd say, you know, it was bittersweet, but uh, more sweet than bitter. Um, yeah, that final wasn't the way we mapped it out, but um, but really, considering how uh, how much of a challenge it is these days just to qualify and how much better the, the world is, has got at this game, um, it wasn't a step that we were looking past whatsoever. So we were very satisfied and proud to, uh, to um, make that step. But not only that, but sort of, gauge some progress that we made since finishing 12th at Worlds last last summer, which is a bit of a, a wake-up call for us. So, yeah, well, on the whole, we're, we're pretty happy with it. Okay, well, you know, I should also I should have started the interview this way. I, I got to wish you a little bit of a belated happy birthday because uh, you hit a bit of a milestone about a week and a half ago. Uh, the, the the big four zero for you, and you're still going strong and still one of the best players in the world. Um, and you mentioned, uh, I like to say so. Yeah, the the, the competition in, in your time playing playing basketball. 
has it become a lot deeper on the international stage in terms of of, of how high end the teams are? Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it too. The, the game is uh, the sports just gotten deeper. I, I think you know the superstars from twenty years ago would still be superstars now. Um, but I think just the level of overall talent on the floor in any given game is higher than it's ever been. And to what do you owe your longevity? And you know, and I know, I was reading your bio and stuff. You, you have you have stepped away for small periods uh, during your career, but you, but you've kept plugging away. Uh, I mean, what's what's your secret that you're still on, on top of your game at the age of forty? Well, besides the obvious, thanks to uh, you know our coaching and medical staff and and. Um, people that have helped me in these uh, last couple of years feel like a younger man than I am. Um, maybe general curiosity that <laughs> led me to music school for a while earlier. And, you know, I think I managed my load over the years, um, uh, you know, relatively well. And um, I don't know, I got long arms and short legs, which is uh, it's a nice combination for wheelchair basketball. And, you know, I'm about 106 you know, I'd be six four, but I only weigh 170 pounds. So, um, you know, some of these guys—we you know, all have shoulder issues, right? And the shoulders are, are uh, what goes on us. But uh, the fact that uh, I'm a bit of a lighter, lighter guy, um, maybe save my body a little bit too. Well, and you know, I'm curious about you—you you getting into the sport because obviously, you know, unfortunately, you were injured. As were you nine years old when you were injured? Yeah, I'm a yeah, bilateral blown amputee just, just below the knees on both sides. And and, yeah. then, and then I think, relative, I mean, I'll let you tell the story, but I think relatively quickly you, you got into wheelchair basketball. What was that? What 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 pulled you into it? I mean, obviously, you, you know, you mentioned you you you, were, you had the amputations, but what what kind of said, okay, I'm I'm going to try this. I'm going to pursue that sport. Um, yeah, you're right. I was introduced to wheelchair basketball just a year after my accident. And uh, that's something I like to point out because you know, that's not everyone's story. And some people go years after acquiring a disability um, without knowing about wheelchair sports or without knowing how fun they can be. So um, I definitely count myself among the lucky ones. Yeah, the principal of my school that just uh, you know informed my family of a wheelchair sports camp going on in the Kitchener-Waterloo area. And uh, it was run by a basketball club, and we did a little bit of token swimming and tennis, and then we hit the basketball court, and uh, it was just love at first sight for me. It was, you know, I fell in love with sledge hockey at the same time, uh, but in both cases it was just like, you know, just being given wings. Like that first year uh, without having legs, you know, I spent uh, a lot less time worrying about, you know, how I was going to walk again and uh, a lot of time thinking about how I was going to skate and run and climb trees and that was the stuff I was really missing. So even though I could barely get the ball to the rim and, you know, by, you know, today's standards, I was barely moving my chair. To me, it felt like I was just in a fighter jet flying around for the first time. So uh, it's a love that uh, is an essential that has never dissipated in these 30 years. When did you start to feel, wow, I'm really good at this? You know, like you start getting picked for teams or national teams. When did it click in your head like, whoa, wait, I can really pursue this? I mean, I, I think uh, I was pretty confident from the get-go, but I think in my mid-teens when I started to sprout up, you know, I'm from a tall family. Um, so, uh, you know, I think we saw it coming. But, uh, you know, suddenly when I was a 16-year-old with a 6'7 wingspan and um, and uh, the way that 
You know, I, I use prosthetic legs, but, you know, I really prefer my wheelchair because it helped me, you know, chase my friends around town. Um, just all those years of climbing hills and not that it was in a basketball chair, but just developing those chair skills. Um, you know, by the time I was sort of mid-teens, I, I was quick from that and I was long and get taller. And um, Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, my imagination was, was stoked from very early on by, by guys who representing Canada at the Seoul Paralympics. These are the guys that introduced me to the game. And, you know, so pretty early on, they, they, they planted the seed. Patrick Anderson joining us in Inside Sports from the Canadian Wheelchair Basketball Team. He was born in Edmonton. The uh, Canadian team has uh, qualified for the 2020 Paralympics in Tokyo. Um, Patrick, I I was on your website and I was watching some of your skill videos. And and I'm going to encourage people to check this out. Uh, Your site's easy to remember, patanderson.ca, and then you have a whole bunch of skills videos. I was watching one where you demonstrate 33 different ways to score from within the paint in a minute and it really gets fun near the end because you are launching from different angles and there's even one behind your back i don't know how many of those you use in games but uh those videos those videos, i don't know what kind of reaction you get to those but i, I imagine uh, they're pretty fun to make yeah, I mean, I, I don't know uh, how they come across to the uninitiated. I mean, maybe like yourself, I'm not sure how much wheelchair basketball you've seen. Um, so I am trying to raise a few eyebrows um, in the general public, but, uh, you know, I I put those kind of things out, um, you know, for the wheelchair basketball community mainly, and I've got a lot of positive feedback that, you know, young players and developing players really uh, have been excited to be able to watch those videos and see some of the things that I work on and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, 33 is a little bit of overkill. I might not use all of those, but it just goes to show, you know, in every, in every sport, including wheelchair sports and wheelchair basketball, there's just a real level of nuance and detail that uh, that's required to play at the highest level. And, uh, you know, it's not as simple as making a layout and working on your layups. You know, it's attacking it from different angles and speeds and with different hands. And, and yeah, so I try to honor the, uh, you know, and acknowledge the uh, – adapting complexity to sport by going a little bit deeper um, into sort of skill development and my skill set and um, try to share that with, with that next generation of players. You, you know, you, you mentioned that you started that last answer by, by saying, I don't know how much wheelchair basketball that, that I have watched. And, you know, I haven't watched a lot. I, I've certainly seen highlights, seen portions of, of Paralympic games. Um, I always find it entertaining. I enjoy the pace when I do see it. What would you say to people who haven't checked it out a lot, or to encourage people to to, to check out a game? How would you how would you sell it to people? I think you got to get in the gym. You got to hear the chairs crashing into each other, see a few bodies tumble onto the floor, uh, and also to get a sense of how fast the game moves. Um, you know, it's fun when we see ourselves on television or streamed online, but you know, just like any sport, it doesn't really give a sense of what it's like. So. You know, if you ever have the chance to get in the gym uh, and check it out, it makes all the difference. Um, and not only that, you know, wheelchair in, in Canada, um, you know, the doors are open for anybody to play. And even the experience of jumping in the chair once can be transformative in terms of how you see people with disabilities and athletes with disabilities. And, you know, to that end, one of my best friends has just launched the uh, wheelchair basketball schools pro- program here in Ontario. Or not here in Ontario, I'm in New York right now, but back in our hometown in that area to uh, to give as many kids as possible a chance to, to play in gym class for a week at a time and um, and, and among other things to sort of um, to teach that lesson, I guess. 
All right, you, you mentioned people got to get in the gym and, and hear the chairs uh, banging around and the bodies flying around. How uh, how physical is it? Like, how nasty can it get out there? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on how many Australians you let in the game. Um, <laughs> but uh, cheap shot. They're, I'm not above a few cheap shots. Uh, now, we like to joke with them that, you know, they bring that rugby edge to wheelchair basketball. We, we bring the hockey edge. Um I think that's true. Both of those countries have been very successful, and I think part of it is um, that it's it's a physical game. You know, able-bodied basketball is a very physical game. You just don't necessarily see it and hear it because it's, you know, shoulder against shoulder and hip against hip, but it's hard to miss uh, metal against metal, you know. So, um, you know, it's at the top, like I said, on our shoulders and, and all the falling and um, getting back up. That happens. On the other hand, I've been through, I don't know, maybe 20 chairs in my career, so... Uh, <laughs> Um, to a large extent, it's our chairs that break down before we do, thankfully, uh, and those are replaceable. So, um, so yeah, I've got to thank my wheelchair sponsors in there, too, <laughs> for the longevity of my career. Well, right on. Well, uh, Patrick, you're, you're, you're a great story, uh, a great career that just keeps going. And uh, what, are you going to be going after your th- your fourth Paralympic gold next summer? Pretty good? That's the plan, yeah. yeah. Fifth medal overall. Um, this would definitely be the toughest one, that's for sure. But, uh but, you know, we're going to take a crack at it see what happens. Well, right on. Thanks for joining us on 630 Chet in Edmonton. All the best, man. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Patrick Anderson, one of the greatest wheelchair basketball players in history. He was born here in Edmonton, mostly grew up in Ontario. Great story. He's going to the Paralympic Games once again. All right, NFL halftime. Packers lead the Bears 7-3. One final uh, look at the tennis score here on Inside Sports. Andrescu trailing in the first set. 6-5. Serena Williams won the earlier semifinal. The newest oiler, Riley Shan, one-year deal, $900,000. Had him on the show earlier. Get more on 630Ched.com. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. The studio producer tonight is Kellen Kennedy. Back at 6 o'clock tomorrow. More on Oilers Rookie Camp and a preview of the Labor Day rematch. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.